Welcome back to a special edition of the G-Funk Junkies podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel, like, comment, and share to help us grow. So without further ado, I present to you the long-awaited Folsom interview. Back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'm going to let them understand. What up? This is DJ Glaze, the producer and one of the rappers in the group. Yo, what up? This is Eminemster, the lyrical assassin. Giving you a shout out, check one, check two. What it do? What's going on? This your boy, Big T-Dub, representing the LBC. What's up, Wise? Thanks for having us. I'm doing all right, man. I want to thank all three of you for coming together uh, and actually, you know, allowing me to take a moment to hear your story. I wanted to say, man, um, you know, I've seen, I, I've, I've been following you for a little bit and I saw that uh, podcast that you did on us, you know, about the Latino rap thing. I, I showed it to them. We we reviewed it again last week when we met, and uh, I, I just love how uh, thorough you are, man, on everything. It's like you really did a lot of research. And sorry, just cracked the tall can right now. I know it's a little early, but it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Definitely. So, you know, just just to give you guys a heads up, um, everything that I've learned about your group. Your history, your music has all come through the internet mostly. You know, uh, this is the the first interaction I actually have with with you guys. Excuse me if, if there's some shit that like I get wrong or or if I'm just unaware of uh, some of the moves that happen. But if you could, uh, if you guys could start from, I'm not sure how how often you guys have shared the story, but give us a glimpse of what it was like because I, I know you guys have been a group since the mid 80s right you guys all started as a group of djs yeah. so if you guys can just enlighten us and, and let me know what those formative years were like how you guys came together because um one of the things that really strikes me um you know uh, uh, that amazes me is that for the entirety of hip-hop you guys are probably one of the few groups that i can say was like a multicultural group from the get-go right like uh I think the only other groups I can think of were like Sun Dubious, um, even Cypress Hill, right? Cypress Hill, you got a half Mexican, uh, Afro-Cuban, and an Italian dude. But you guys are are a Filipino, uh, Blackskin, and a Black dude. Tell me how you guys actually, you know, I'm surprised that nobody, nobody has ever really uh, touched on how you guys all came together, uh, especially in Southern California uh, amongst, you know, the, the rise of all this shit, the gang tensions that were in the in the 90s and just hip hop in general, how that, you know, solidified you guys as a group and, and your friendship. You know, I'll, I'll put it this way. We're um, uh, what do you call family? So it's like everything okay. goes out the window. You know what I'm saying? Nice. You know, when you're family, yeah. you're family, that's that. You don't, you don't even look at this or that or colors or any kind of stuff like that. None of that stuff really means that when you're family, it's like, you know, that's what Good. it is. You move from there. Yeah, so did you guys uh, grow up on the same block or um, how, how did you guys come together and decide like, hey, we want to start, you know, dabbing into DJing and how did that slowly, you know, transition into the emceeing? Well, we've always like, I think we probably start maybe in like junior high school, we started to like, to like DJ. We was always in like, like music, but then like we started to, we started off like, like DJing, you know, just DJing, trying to get equipment and do this and that stuff. And 
liking the uh listening to the radio with, with the DJs. We have K Day mm-hmm. out here, so I was listening to that. K Day Mix Masters, and you know, we, we took a really good liking of that. And um as time went on, we would elevate into um into more DJing, DJing at, at school, the school dances, school prom. We DJ everything at our at our uh at our school. Yeah. Everything and then we DJ for other schools too. Proms, everything. Pep rallies. <laughs> <laughs> so we just from starting from the beginning from DJ and we just that's how we started off but then as time went on it, it elevated and we went into to rapping yeah but we did we did grow up in the same neighborhood you know we were um um you know our parents I guess bought houses that were that were within the same block so um you know there was a lot of us that kind of hung out and we used to listen to you know a lot of old school music back in the day you know a lot of zap a lot of Rick James, um, Morris Day, right in the time, Prince, stuff like that. So that was kind of what we grew up off of. And then, uh, so when we started DJing, that was that was like what we specialized in. And then hip hop came out, right? And then we we really liked hip hop back in the day. We were listening to like a lot of EPMD. You got the chill, you know. Uh, um, of course, NWA. just everything that was coming from new york but we at the time we were like yeah this music is cool we would play it but we were like you know we can make we can make shit that's better than this you know at least that's what we thought so we were like you know we'll we'll start um trying to produce our own record when we got to high school that was like that was the idea was that you know yeah so you know interesting thing about that because when you know everything that i that i watched and and listened to and, and interviews that i've seen the way that hip hop took form and shape on the West Coast was completely different than how it happened in New York and and those other East Coast states, right? So, yeah, uh, I think a lot has been said about how um, our 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 music scene was more of a party thing, kind of kind of like how Miami had that Miami based shit. We had the electro funk and and all the other shit going down. Yeah. How did you guys transition, or, or do you think that NWA played a, a huge transition from taking that? that club party sound to more of like in your face fucking you know talking about what's really happening on the street the the you know gang violence the drug shit the police uh, police brutality and then you know uh the other lifestyle which was you know cruising low riding the car culture the kickbacks that that california is more the music is more uh, akin to um how did you guys see that transition because I've heard your earlier stuff, right? Like the lost tapes, the the demos that you guys had with uh, Snoop Dogg, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, how did you guys find your sound amidst all that? So you know what's funny is that when we were DJing, we were we were serious about DJing, right? Because we looked mm-hmm. up to we looked up to the DJs that were on K Day, because like you said, I mean, LA and New York was a little bit different, right? I mean, I, I know right. there's a lot of, a lot of good DJs in new york but i think we had the best djs in the whole world right and that was like tony g joe cooley um julio g you know i mean it, it we just mm-hmm. i think we set the standard as far as mixing and scratching and and you know maybe i'm saying that because i'm biased because i'm from la you know because i don't know <laughs> what was going on in the bay and all that stuff but I mean, right. you know, I, what I used to hear and, you know, and, and it proves, I mean, I, you watch YouTube now and you can see 
you know, like when Joe Cooley battled Cash Money, right? So we were serious about DJing back then, and we were we would play all that electro music, and we used to play, you know, like It's Time and it's time, it's time. Planet Rock and Gifted Lover and Clear, and like we, we that's what we did is that we we were scratch DJs, right? We we were we were down to battle and everything, and we did battle, and then that's when. Um, you know, when hip hop came about, it did kind of change a little bit, right? Because it went from that whole fast, fast music to, you know, to slow and beats and bass and stuff like that, right? So that's when I think the beginning was kind of like when um, Boys in the Hood came out. You know what? I think maybe the one that probably started it would be uh, Six in the Morning. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Shadita squeak across the bathroom. And then like Posse on Broadway, right? Like all that stuff is coming out. and. Yeah. And it was, I mean, even from New York, like Run DMC and Raising oh, Hell, yeah, and, you know, they were already, the music was slowing down and it was getting rougher, right? It was getting more, more reality. So, so let, let me share something that I read a long time ago. And uh, I found this article a long time ago that I can't seem to find anymore, but it made a statement and I'm going to tie it back to what you said about EPMB. Someone said that like uh, West Coast music basically started with the sound that epmd crafted right with the, the sampling of zap and roger because that's you know primarily what took a lot of um a, a lot of influence here on the west coast right like you, you couldn't go uh you, you couldn't find an album that wasn't sampling either atomic dog or more bounce to the ounce uh, as 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 cringe as it is to say that now like oh you know that's probably like the laziest thing you can do is probably sample and loop that but to me it's it's still kind of remarkable because you get you, you and i could hear the same song and we could hear something completely different in our heads right like the way that we're interpreting music but um, uh, would you agree that EPMD kind of set the standard for what would take over for the West Coast sound? Well, you know what? I, I, would, I would say this um, as a, a, a rap artist, like me personally, I would love to rap over those beats, the um, um, Zap and, and Roger and all that, do why did he? Uh, mm -hmm. I would always love, lo love to do that. What I learned was um, through like the different different um the different people that might have been making the beats, they were probably like, nah, you know, you we can do something else instead of doing that. Instead of sampling, they wanted they kind of wanted to, to do something else, kind of like to get right. to use more of their like uh uh um uh creativity. As opposed okay. to that sample, because that was like too easy. But that's a producer's perspective. Exactly. Right? That's exactly. a producer. That's that, producer's them producers that, and I don't, I don't always look at it like that because you could take a dope sample if you flip it a little bit right. and we make play, and and, and it make around. it new, right? Like yeah. and give it yeah. new life. Now I want to talk a little bit about sampling. When you sample something, don't just loop it, but actually make it your own. Flip it or remix it, if you will. Make sure that though it sounds the same, it's different. What I like to tell people is this, be inspired, but don't copy. Do your own thing. Be creative, my friend. Stay up, Tony A Lessons. For me, it doesn't really matter. You know, you can say that it's lazy, it's but it, if it bangs, it bangs, right? I mean, the whole point of it right, is, right. you know, if people don't like the beats, if they if they don't like hearing what you're rapping to, they're not gonna listen to the raps either, right? So- That's true. You yeah. know, you kinda, I, I mean, I know a lot of people use it and love it is because it's they're classics they're classics yeah, they're classics yeah. i mean i i still dj to this day 
and I still play them damn songs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's funny because uh, you know I've done weddings, man, and then and we'll start with like playing Bruno Mars and all that shit. But by ten o'clock, man, we're playing Roger and Zap and and Atomic Dog because that's where it's gonna go. You know that the party always goes there, right? Because yeah, yeah. When when it's when it's go time, when it's when it's time to go down. <laughs> <laughs> those are the records that you play and it doesn't matter how old they are that's um it's primarily the reason so when i started my podcast i wanted to have like a like an introductory track right mm -hmm. and uh stupid me i forgot to add like you know the voiceover to say like this is the g funk junkies podcast but right now it's just uh, the instrumental playing and I, I had a whole bunch of shit mixed in there but like i wanted to make a I wanted I wanted it to reflect what West Coast music sounds like to me, you know. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to listen to the one minute track uh, that that I had somebody produce for me, but um, mm -hmm. you know it, it incorporates the more bounce to the ounce part where um, uh, Roger goes yeah 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 like that yeah. shit's always my favorite part of, of that song. I was like, <laughs> all right, I want that shit. I want the fucking baseline from uh, she talks to me with her body from the bar case. <laughs> you know, and I want all of this other shit mixed in there, you know, and, and it came yeah. out pretty clean, I think, it you know, is. but it, it's, it, it just, it hits you, right? Like, as soon as you hear that, like, all right, like, you know, it, it, it it's specifically tied to the West Coast music. Yeah. But um, what, what I, I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding about our music on the west coast is that it's not it's not a um what's the word i'm trying to say it's not a fad for us right so no. for for other places it, exactly right it's a fucking lifestyle right like this is music that that you know is is set to to, to a mood right like low ride and cruising down the fucking boulevard like for me when i'm cruising you know i want to play your music right i want to play some Folsom. I want to yes. play some uh, Twins. I want to play Warren G. I want to play some like underground San Diego shit. And, and that's what I love is that like, it's it's very tonal, right? Like it sets the, the mood for like cruising, partying, kickback. Like our, our lifestyle isn't like New York where you're like, hey, we're going to fucking freeze to death if we don't pay the fucking bills. Yeah, it's different. it is different. It's timeless, right? Like it, right. to us, it's like, I, I've heard people say like, oh, the West Coast is stuck on the 90s. And it's like, well, you don't understand like, this isn't a fad for West Coast artists. Like our sound is still persistent. Like I'm not sure if you guys our are paying attention to. Yeah. It is right. Like our style is the '90s, and it isn't just set to the '90s. This is shit that's been going around for the last, you know, 40, 50 years. Like yeah. it's, it's the music, right? It's, it's shit that you're gonna bump in your ride. I, I think even, um, what's his name, uh, uh, Cold One Eighty Seven. I'm from from Above the Law. Yeah. In uh, what fucking documentary was this? He was talking about like comparing East Coast music that was like very fast paced. You know, they were on the funky drummer uh, James Brown samples when we were more on the slow down, you know, like let's slow down the tempo. Let's uh, like make the bass a little deeper. Let's put some grooves in it and some synthesizer like it's. And then Dre came with the G funk. It's like, mm, good, you know, it's a low ride to ride with. Me. And that's just because of how in Cali we brought up on grooves. We brought up on a lot of funky stuff. You know what I'm saying? From LA to the Bay, you know, we brought up on real funky music. You gotta move people, man. It's way different, right? And so even even now, uh, since that took over in 92, you know, we're in 2023, 30 years later, we still have artists that still 
are very true to that sound. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys know who Desi Hollow is from Oceanside, but yeah. he's, uh, he's he's bubbling up. And again, you know, he's got that same sound that, that was persistent in the 90s, and we're pushing it here in, in the 2020s, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah, we we've been watching. We know what's up on on Desi. We've been we've been following Desi. Yeah, hopefully we can we can um, you know get together and do some work with him. So yeah, that'd be cool. When you guys um, were forming, you know, you guys went through a cycle or a roster of, of artists. Um, you know, one of my homies. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the website KalifaRap.net. You know, he wanted me to ask you guys a few things. Um, he wanted to ask what your relationship with Snoop Dogg was like and if you guys ever felt um, regret that he left the group and blew up on his own um, or if you guys still remain cool like what what was that like that and Domino thank you uh, the, the, the individual would might be answering that question asking the question about Snoop Dogg he was he was never in the group with us we were just all really good friends Domino was actually in the group and that was due to my brother, uh, Travi Trav. Rest in peace, man. We sat out to look for a a, uh, a rap artist while DJ Glaze and Eminem were doing the tracks because I wasn't even rapping. I was playing basketball and doing other things. So they went to a uh, to a party at Millican High School because my cousin Rodney went to Millican and told my brother Travi Trav about Domino. And so I guess Domino got on the mic. The rest was history. He brought Domino to to meet Eminem and, uh, and DJ Glaze, and we started formulating the group right then and there. So Domino was our, our first artist. Snoop was never in the group, but he was our homeboy because he's more he's he's more of the twins. Uh, he grew up with the twins too. You know what I mean? This this is a really interesting family tree that you guys got going on because, and I can kind of hear the influences in the sound, right? So when I listen to the Twins Conversation album, when I listen to Perfection. And when I listen to uh, the Dove Shack and I listen to Warren G's first album, I can I can hear the cohesiveness of the sound. And I'm not sure if that's due to Warren G specifically or if that's just your area, right? If that's Eastside Long Beach sound. Uh, what 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 do you guys would say is is the formula for that? I mean, we you know as far as production and and our and um, our music, right? We've been influenced a lot by. I would say Dr. Dre and uh, even people like DJ Quick and Warren G, right? Everybody. Okay. So, um, you know, it's it, it is a sound. It is a uh, we like to think it's our own sound because we, if you listen to us, we come smooth and rough at the same time. We we have um, different sides of us, right? So it just depends on what we're trying to do on the track. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're 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 students of everybody, you know. I mean, we're. Mm -hmm. um, um, but like I said, we also we also listen to a lot of stuff from the East Coast too, you know. So I mean, that's why some of our stuff has you know, we'll have break beats in it, and and you know where some some people are not even doing that, you know. A lot of stuff we, uh, you know, we always like to incorporate samples. A lot of a lot of artists they try to play everything um you know recreating just, uh, the sound yeah recreate yeah. or just making their own sounds right and that's not really to me that's that's not what hip-hop is built off of right i mean there's yes. nothing when it comes to when it comes to um listening to hip-hop or rap music or whatever it's like it always comes from somewhere you know it, it's uh 
um it's always it's kind of been like that right since the very beginning even if you think of like rapper's delight right that was like a disco record that they used and they rapped over it and right when you when you take when you listen to some of our songs you know a lot of times especially if, if i'm doing the tracks right they come from they're coming from somewhere there's a sample in there there's something that gave it some inspiration and and one day you'll be at a cvs at a you know buying a a, a card for your mom or something like that and you'll hear an oldie or something that'll be playing or just some old 70s song and you'll say damn that's where Folsom got that song from right <laughs> that was you know freddie jackson or whatever you know or luther Vandross or whatever and that's when it kind of like you know it's 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 almost like a treasure hunt right to find out what what it was that we used and what we were thinking about that day you know how did it how did it how did it grow from a seed right to a plant so you know yeah. i'm totally with you on that like i i, I always uh, i'm always on the hunt looking for stuff on youtube and every once in a while like i'll run across some you know somebody that that makes their own beats or is producing like their own sound and they'll always specify like oh this is like all original stuff and i'm thinking to myself like hey kudos to you for like doing that but like to me to me specifically like sampling yeah. is the soul of hip-hop you know what that's I mean? where it came from and, yeah it's, yeah like you know. like it, it it's uh like to me when when in the last like 10 years when when the hip-hop sound was devoid of samples and i'm thinking like that's like a computer sound you know like i, I don't want to hear something synthetic i want to hear the soul like i want to hear yeah. you know and this is what i loved about the the sv1200 is that like when you're listening to to somebody program their beats you can hear that there's like a slight lag in, in the drum kick or something and it's like okay that there's that sound you know there's that analog sound from you know plugging different equipment together and then you're looping something you're like okay you hear this little hissing sound you hear you know just crackling like it's it's um i don't know i find something magical about sampling you know what i mean yeah yeah that's and that's a, like you said i think hip-hop was built off of that you know so when you get away from that completely, I think you kind of lose a little bit, you know? Most definitely. Going back to Domino, uh, you know, he has an interesting setup, right? He, he came from you guys, landed on the Banging on Wax compilation, and then went solo. But what um, what was the motivating factor for him to break away from you guys? Well, I don't know what his, his intentions were, but maybe he always wanted to be a solo solo artist you know maybe that's what he wanted to do to be a solo artist but our group Folsom once we were perfection you know back to the lecture at hand perfection is perfected so I'm gonna let him understand we're family oriented and we did our mm -hmm. thing we still doing it so you know I guess like I said before I think I just maybe want to be a solo artist you know solo artist and that's all I can figure out I remember uh, Snoop Dogg took a few shots at him in that song. Uh, I think it was on a demo tape or a promo tape called uh, Let What the Fuck Was It Called? Let Him Understand. There you go. Yeah. Niggas saying they weak due to the fact that one nigga decided to leave and get his rap on elsewhere. Ask me if they care and I give you a stare like, nope, you can't cope. They dope, but I and you know he, he talks he takes a dig at him and then you know I, I think on doggy style he took a few jabs at him too and Domino, in my youth I, I wasn't picking up these things it wasn't until i you know I, I started searching on the internet what the fuck all of this was about which is kind of how i got into you guys um <laughs> so <laughs> you know it 
on all that, how did you guys remain neutral when Snoop Dogg was taking jabs at him, but it was all kind of associated with you guys? Let me give you a better perspective of that, okay? So, all right, go ahead. Song, uh, let him understand perfection. Waniac was in the group as well when we were, uh, Correct. you know, close to Waniac as well. Triple Oak was uh, in the Navy at that time. So you had Waniac, DJ Glaze, Eminemster, and T Dubs, and Domino. But he decided to leave at some point, and we weren't aware of it at the time. So, uh, in my perspective, Snoop Dogg didn't like the way he did it. Yeah, yeah, so he said, okay. He did the song, you know, let him understand perfection. He, he put a, threw a couple shots at him and let him know, you know, it's kind of disrespectful the way you left the group unexpectedly without us knowing. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you can understand the one rapper stepped and left and then you banned him. That shit ain't right with Pete Gang. Now, uh, did that create obstacles for you? Because now you had it to uh, fill in that MC slot. For me, um, I was fortunate enough, man, to have some of the best rappers in the, uh, what do you call, in the game in front of me, man. I got Snoop and I got Domino, you know, and these two cats was beasts on the mics, you know, when it comes to rapping, man. So I was able to be right there and, you know, soak everything in from them. You know, there was things that I remember Snoop told me that that I actually do to this day. So I was doing beats at the time, but then I had actually started rapping. And having them in front of me, man, you know, that just gave me a lot more, uh, more uh, fire, you know. And in uh, an uh, uh, inspiration, when he left, you know, I knew I had to also step up, step up too, you know. And to add to that, as Domino proceeded to leave the group, you got to remember we still had DJ Glaze, Eminem, Tito, and Waniac. But then Waniac came to us like a man, which is my first cousin, and said that Warren G wanted them to help help produce his album. So Waniac came to us like we were supposed to. And then he said, well, I'm going to help uh, uh, Warren G. You know, I'm letting you guys know I'm leaving the group. And, ask for the blessings. You know, you know, ask for his blessings. And we said, come on, Ken Folk, you know, you got to go do that. So at the particular time, I wasn't even writing my raps. I wasn't even doing, I wasn't even rapping. Then Eminem came out. He was busting. So when Glaze miraculously came out of the cut and he started rapping, I don't know where it came from, but DJ Glaze, a Filipino assassin, he was doing his thing. So I had to give it to him. So make way for the F to the then Eminem said the same way. He was programming the 808 doing the drum machine. Be being that I, you know, I, I grasped it very well because we listened to all the artists as well, like Eminem explained. So I started putting on my uh, my hard hat and got with it. So. We just stayed persistent and we stayed together. We set a goal for ourselves, right? We said, you know, we we're gonna release a record. We're gonna we're gonna release an album, and it's gonna call, be called Perfection. And that's that was something that, you know, we we pursued and we and we made it a point to finish, right? No matter how it was gonna end up, right. whoever, whoever was gonna end being on it, you right. know, when we when we when we were kids, I mean, that was something that we always said we would do. So tell me about that first. Um... So, from what I've been reading, there was a record you guys released before Perfection, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, tell me, I've heard, are those the tracks that ended up on the Lost Tapes, or was this something completely different? Yeah, no, those were most of the songs that we had on, on the Lost Tapes. They, they were, um, so they were, those were with um, a guy named Wes Crockett, and Wes was, um, Big Wes was, uh, was actually, like, um, partners with Shug at the mm -hmm. time so we met them um i guess together at the same time we met 
both West and Shug. I think it was at a Budweiser Superfest. Oh, was that a convention? Oh, my bad. Yeah, it was at it was at it was something called a Black Radio Exclusive, a BRE in in Long Beach. So we got introduced to them, and um, West was the older dude. Shug was the younger dude, and Mm. West was the one that that really took a liking to us, right? So, and um, it's just crazy because. Shug ended up doing his own thing, right? And and started Death Row Records with Dr. Dre. And we went with um, Wes because Wes was the, the older, experience, more experienced dude, you know? And then um, they both knew Dick Griffey over at Solar Records um, and eventually got access to that studio. That And that's the same studio that the Chronicles recorded at, right? Welcome to Death Row. Are you trying to tell me, or am I alluding to you guys could have possibly been on Death Row had you chosen <laughs> to go with? <laughs> you know, nah. You know what? Um, there was a point where we had actually, we had actually thought about that because because the access was there. We had actually asked a, 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 a what do you call Big West? You know, like Big West, you want to go to Death Row? And Sean was should. And he was like, he's like, nah, nah, I, gotta, I can't have that. Can't let you guys do that. Because he said that they had that they had beef or something. He's like, nah, can't let you guys go over there. Okay, so he was looking out for you in hindsight, right? If you look, if you you know, considering where things ended up, uh, man, see, I think at the time you guys probably would have been like, damn, like we could have been right there on the on the you know, because everybody when you think about West Coast music, they and 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 I see this all the time when when I see posts online or I see videos on YouTube and and people put these compilations together and it's like, hey, uh, there's more to the West Coast than just death row, right? right. And uh, I think a lot of people just have a hard time, you know, scratching the surface and finding that there's, you know, I I myself I think that 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 Folsom uh, Perfection album is like top five out of LA fucking albums ever released. You know what I mean? And I'll and I'll I'll go off on a fucking on on record and say that like that is my top five right there. Like you guys just stand out, you know, not only because of your production, uh, but your lyricism too, right? Like uh, uh, T Dub was mentioning earlier, you know, uh, for a DJ uh, specifically, you Glaze, like you can spit and you sound legit, you know. It doesn't sound corny when you're the DJ rapping. As for Eminem, man, I I was blown away when I first heard Ultimate Collaboration. I was like, what the? I had to rewind that shit. I don't know how many fucking times just to hear the, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I can't even begin to recite that because I get tongue-tied, you know? But then, you know, when I listen to T-Dub, like, T-Dub, the first time I heard you on a rap song, I had just downloaded uh, Trigger Finger, Slow Pain, AOT, and you. I had a hard time uh, discerning that you and AOT were separate people. Like for a few years, I thought that AOT had done both verses because you guys sounded so similar. But as I got exposed to more music, you know, I, I started picking up on your style specifically, and I, and I really like that that quick jab that you do where, where you start doing a little a quick you know tongue twister. You know, and, and it just, it, it, you guys, you know, even though you're a group, each one of you has an individual style, you know what I mean? And I really like that. Like Glaze, like I would say yours is more akin to like Dr. Dre and, and uh, DJ Quick, where you handle production, you handle the DJing, scratching, and, and you rap, you know? Right. And then you, you have, um, 
you have uh, T Dub who has like that that quick style, you know, delivery with with similarities that are that were pretty common in, in, in now that I think about it, they were pretty common in West Coast music where you hear like BG Knockout doing doing those little, you know, short tongue twisters. Snoop Dogg was doing them too, right? When he was like It's the capital S O yes oppression double O P D O double G Y D O double G, you see. Right. And you got your own, you know, I, I can't even begin to, to recite some of yours because like they, they they're too quick sometimes that I get tongue tied. So now they label me that criminal nigga that's down the bus. But then when I hear Eminem stuff, like Eminem stuff will flip fucking Spanglish and then do like a fucking full on tongue twister. Like when I heard Ultimate Collaboration, well, when I heard both versions, right? Because you, you you recycled that verse from from the older uh, demo tape you had from uh, Thing Is Let Them Understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, like it, the, the first time I heard it was on the Folsom album, and then when I started digging, you know, further into, it, I realized like, holy shit, this fool was doing this like in '91. You know what I mean? Like that shit, like even blew me away. Yeah, like that. That I don't know. I think you guys don't get enough credit, and that's why, like, and that's the whole purpose of my of my podcast is to kind of shine light on on albums and and artists that like I think deserve more credit because again. When people think about the West Coast, they have a very narrow view of, of what is what is music. But then I see that you guys are more. I don't. Know, this is another another question. My homie from um, from Germany. He wanted to know if you guys get more love overseas than you do here at home. I would say yeah. I mean, you have to think about it, right? Like um, most of the people that listen to music are programmed from radio, exactly. right? Yeah, and and. To be honest, I mean, uh, and not to say that all radio music is bad, but most of it is bad. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there, there's, I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of whatever a company wants to push, right? Exactly. Whatever they want to exactly. promote. So, okay. You know, uh, you know what you hear on the radio is not necessarily the best the best music that's out there in the world. There's a lot of talented people that you never hear about, right? Radio kind of wins. We realize that though. I mean, because every every artist, if we want to survive in this business, right, we need radio. Um, but you know, we've kind of operated. You know, after dealing with our label, when we went when we had our record label, uh, it wasn't that great of an experience. That that label kind of uh you know signed a bunch of artists and would just like throw them against the wall and whatever would stick you know they would promote right are we talking about tommy boy or are we talking uh, about no not tommy previous? boy like big beat yeah, big man. beat Atlantic, okay right so there they had signed uh, a few groups right and um it was funny because the a r that we were with actually signed dj quick to profile we we actually had a lot of um faith in him um but he's only one guy at a at a at a label, right? So he has to take take orders just like everybody else does at work. So, um, but their whole idea was, you know, let's throw a single out and see what it does, and if it kicks off, it kicks off, right? And they and then they'll pour a lot more money into you. Right. Um, but we just found that, you know, having them 
in control of us and like making decisions that probably weren't, you know, what, what we necessarily wanted as far as our best interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of left a bad taste in our mouth, right? So we, when we saw that we could, you know, record our own albums um, and, and we ended up, you know, getting some distribution overseas to, in Japan and uh, Europe and stuff. I mean, you know, it, even though, you know, it, it would have been nice to, to have the notoriety, right, uh, as some mm-hmm. of the other groups and stuff, we had more control of our music. And that's why when you go out to the Internet, there's a lot more product out there on us. There's a lot more uh, articles, interviews about us, right, as opposed to other artists who relied, you know, heavily on, heavily on their label, right? right? Exactly. So gotcha. it's like they don't, they don't know how to navigate shit, right? No, I'm saying everything that you see out there on the internet, social media, YouTube, whatever, you know, was started directly from from us. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, it, we didn't have, we don't, we never have really relied on uh, on a record label. Right. So, and then so sit in a place. Excuse me, interrupt. Mm-hmm. Then no, go ahead. Sit in the places that we have been, places that we have toured. You only see a lot of big artists go to these certain areas around the world. We've been to China multiple times. We've been to Japan, we've been mm-hmm. to Switzerland. We, we've been everywhere. You know what I mean? We've covered a lot of ground. Taiwan. Taiwan. A lot of people don't go to these these areas. So we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so speaking of Japan, I'm actually holding the uh, Japanese release of Bosom, uh, Perfection. And this was like the only physical copy. Like I, I like collecting records still. I, I think you know Bluetooth can only do so much for you, right? I, I don't want to depend on Spotify or Apple Music to listen to my music because at any point in time that fucking music can be gone for whatever dispute that <laughs> you know it goes on. And so I think you know listening to to CD is still superior. And so I'm holding you know that that Folsom Perfection album. And man, like I don't know what it is about Japan, but they they have this niche this love for west coast artists you know and and it's crazy because every once in a while like i'll look for an album and and i gotta import it from japan i'm like god damn like how the fuck do they end up with the music that i'm trying to find here you know what i mean and, and like the shit i'm looking for is local like it'll be like some san diego artist or it'll be some like la artist from the underground and i'm like fuck like how is it that it ended up in japan and i'm over here like less than 100 miles away you know damn <laughs> yeah yeah they i mean they have a whole scene man that's you know they love you, you you can find it right like if you go on you know instagram and tiktok and all that stuff you'll see that they love um west coast music they love you know the old school um break in and pop lock in and all that kind of stuff right so it's like, yeah that their, their whole lowrider scene is just crazy i'm just i'm amazed at how much yeah. they they've uh and it's not like they're just imitating like they're actually I don't know. I think they're legitly like, you know, doing this out of love and respect, not just because they want to do it as a fat. Like they, they, they're very devoted to that craft, you know? Yeah. No, when we, when we used to go out there and we would see like the Impalas and stuff that they would fix up, they had like state of the art, you know, uh, electronic Impalas. <laughs> like, yeah. They, they got digital dashboards. <laughs> like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. yeah. So they would, they would, they would, yeah. It's, uh, it's gotcha. like it's it's yeah they would have like digital dashboards on their impalas it's like what yeah, the hell that. you know yeah they they at no expense right it, it would uh they would they would take uh a shell of a car man and just make it even better than brand new you know yeah it, 
exactly so as i'm looking at the track list here for uh for perfection i'm really in awe of like how well crafted the sound was from beginning to end on on perfection and as i look at the featured artists you know you guys got people from the dub shack you got people from uh the twins then you had like aot and and uh nino brown and i'm wondering like how did how did you guys start collaborating with kit frost early on and then you know meeting up with with the k-day mix masters and then finally putting all of this together like uh you know you guys got one foot on the underground one foot and um you know the mainstream but you're also tied into latino rap you know if you guys can can shed some light on that you know uh the way we hooked up with them i remember uh we went to a video shoot that was a right. dry day you're right we went to dry day video shoot and um, they were doing Little Ghetto Boy and they were doing Dre Day. And when we went, mm -hmm. I think we were there in the morning or sometime, but for some reason that, that particular day, I just wasn't feeling too hot. I just, I was just sleepy still or something. <laughs> and so when everybody went in, I had stayed in the car. And I was like laid back in the car. I think I was sleeping or something. So while I was asleep, um, uh, I could like, I could like hear people rapping. And I leaned back like, who was this over here? It's like, man, let me, let me hop on and go over here and see what's, what's up. And in that circle, it was, um, uh, there was Rage, it was a uh, little half dead. Um, the homies of Booyah Tribe, too. Gangsta Red. Oh, Red was there? Okay. Oh, yeah. Red, too. Ridley was there. Um, damn, it was something. Frost was there. Mm -hmm. And it was somebody else. Oh, was he corrupt? I'm not sure. I, it was somebody else right there. But anyway, so I went over it. I'm listening to everybody bust. Like, man, let me. Let me, uh, let me, uh, what are you going to slide in here and bust? And so I went in there and busted. And as soon as I finished busting, Ross pulled me to the side. It was like, hey, man, I want you to write my album. Yeah. I want you to be in the studio, man. I want you to, you know, do this and that, this and that. I'm like, all right. I said, hey, man, check this out. It isn't just me. There's more of us, but everybody's inside of the video, doing a video. So when everybody came out, we introduced everybody. And he said, I want y'all to come to the studio. Let's say that was on a Friday or Saturday. I think we went to the studio either Sunday or Monday, and we went to the studio. That's when we hooked up with Tony, with Tony G. All oh, right, on. So you know, um, like I, I I interact with a lot of people that that um, have opinions about Frost, and oh, yeah, I. <laughs> and you know, just to keep it keep it light, I, I think more people are, you know, inclined to thinking that Frost closed more doors than he opened. And personally, like, I, I actually enjoy Kid Frost. Like, I, I think, uh, you know, he's a little underappreciated, especially as, as time progresses. Like, you know, granted that the internet, you know, once you put a fucking rumor out there, it's, it's damn near impossible to extinguish it, whether it's true or false or, you know, not entirely true or not entirely false. It's, it's just kind of hard to extinguish it. So for me, like, just appreciating music from from the perspective of was there quality was it good you know how many people did he collaborate with how many people did he help out i think i think he did a lot you know i think he did a lot more than what people want to acknowledge or admit but there's a lot of hate that he that he gets but it sounds like he was inviting you guys into the studio to record so was that him featuring you guys or was that you guys featuring him with us going there and meeting tone that just opened up everything for us because 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 uh because he actually helped us to do our album Perfection. Right, right. So it kind of opened up like a whole, a whole lot of things with that. But I think, I think he, the intention in the beginning was for, for uh, Frost had wanted 
he needed some help writing it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what the main goal was. Because we wrote a few songs for Kid Frost that was on his album. I think was it with Dump Records in? No, that was with uh, no Virgin. Virgin. He was on Virgin. Virgin yeah, yeah we wrote at a that few time. songs for him. We went to the studio and Virgin kept them. Yeah, we actually yeah. wrote a few songs. What? For him. One with uh, Rick yeah. James that was my favorite. Oh, Marty. Marty. Wow. Yeah. Marty, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. that Mary one came out on. Studio. He ended. Yeah, he ended that one came out on on Ruthless. Yeah, yeah, knew that. yeah. He yeah. released it. Oh, easy, easy. easy. Well, yeah, I know there was other songs, but I guess that's they, how we do it. We wrote a song yeah. about that's how we do it. But I guess uh, they released them. Or yes, something, or they wouldn't let Easy get them or something. Okay, so that song did get released later. Um, fuck, I think it was on Celeb Entertainment, so that was like a label that they created. Uh, they released like a compilation album in I think it was 2001 that had older tracks so there was that song that's how we do it right so the version that I've heard samples uh, I forget some oldie and then you hear the funky worm on it it doesn't sound like it was completely finished but it's still very listenable you know I like it a lot. I was just wondering what year that was. So now that you guys said that you, you wrote that shit, it's probably what, 92, 93 that that song was supposed to originally release? Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe something like, like that. Yeah. Did you guys also write the song that the diss track that he did for uh, for Cypress Hill? Uh, it was called King of the Hill? No. No? Okay. No. Yeah, that was probably AOT then. I got my bitch up on Strawberry Hill And one little punk that was trying to be real The real one, yes, the funky built one Couldn't get your own style, so you had a still one Okay, um, now, it, it, going to that song uh, Ain't No Fun of the Homies Can't Have None um, it, Was that song, like, from my understanding That was probably the original concept To what eventually became the Death Row version Is that correct? Or do you guys have a different story That you guys want to elaborate on? To be honest with you, you were kind of slightly off on that. I believe that Death Row did that song first. Ain't no fun, right? No, what it was was that they had already did that. Remember from from back in the day? That's an old song. Yeah, man. yeah, it's yeah. an old song. Or at least the title was. The title they, was, they had already right. did that one back right. in the day. Gotcha. We happened to use. I think we just. I think we used the title or had that song. But that song that we did that came off the album with uh, with Solar with Big West. That was on that okay. Album. I assume you guys don't have like the originals, like the masters for that, because uh, the 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 uh, lost tapes. You know, although I, I like some of those songs, I could tell that like you know the quality still needed to be polished a little bit. But well, I mean that was before I started really producing. Right. Oh, so gotcha, gotcha. That, that's one that's kind of what one of the reasons why I started producing is because we would have to call in a bunch of guys to um to do tracks. And um we didn't have a lot of control. We had to rely a lot on on their sounds and the way that they mix and just everything, right? And when you when you're a kind of when you're an artist like that and and um you you can't really put into words what you want right you kind of get whatever you get you know and you and uh it's, it just makes it hard so that's why after that whole experience that's when um when we hooked up with tony g, tony g motherfucker, that's right. 
he was the one that taught me how to use a SP 1200. And um, mm. that's when we made little something, something and listened to the sound. It was on, it was on SP 1200s originally. And then, that song uh, still fucking bumps, dude. Like I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I play that a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, I mean, that's a, that's the thing is that when we find a sample that we like, you know what I'm saying? If we can continue listening to it over and over again, um, we know that we got a good record. And so, um, but yeah, Tony, Tony was the one that taught that taught me how to use SB twelve hundred, and then eventually, I upgraded to a, um, an MPC three thousand. So yeah, the rest of our when we got by the time we got, we were starting to work on perfection. Um, that was a drum machine that we were using. So on that that, uh, and I'm trying to figure out how this song came about, but um, think about it. It was it was uh, slow pain and. Um, and AOT going under the name 3D. And then when I heard your uh, Lost Tapes album uh, or compilation, I heard a slightly different version that I like a lot more because of a few reasons. I, I think I think it's Diane Gordon that's on the hook. Um, oh, yeah. And then that, yeah, but, I mean, you know what? Those, voice... that, those aren't those aren't our songs though. Those songs, um, I think, are uh, oh, AOT. Yeah. yeah, those are AOT songs. We were, just oh. featured. we were featured on those songs yeah those are, okay. those are his songs um yeah that that shit was dope but like, i got have no idea why your verse was cut eminem because I, I enjoyed your, your verse on that uh <laughs> and, and this is <laughs> was it so again that they were putting out the oh, 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 on that first we did two verses yeah. okay yeah. i don't i don't i don't really remember the other verse i remember the one with, with, with thirsting on it with diane gordon singing on it yeah yeah, I, it so might have been. Versions. It might have been that maybe because Eminem came real, he came very rough on that song, right? Yeah, I, I, I see. Don't, that, I don't that's know. the see. That's the shit that like really wears me out about uh, <laughs> record companies sometimes because I'm like, what the fuck were they really yeah, thinking? Because well, because because that that song came out on a state of emergency, I think was the name of the the compilation, and it was like eh, it didn't have that many great tracks, but like I kept that one from AOT and Slow Pain because. There's very like they, they formed a group called Three Deep that was supposed yeah. to be signed to Ruthless, and it, it consisted of uh, Slow Pain, AOT, and and uh, what's his name Frost, and then Easy E died, and that shit went to shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so I like I was like, all right, well I'll just hold on to this song because of what it means. You better take it from me, AOT. And if you wanna live life free, you better take it from me, AOT. You better think about what's going on. And then I heard the Lost Tapes version of it. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you know, Fosum's involved in this shit. And yeah. I'm like, damn, the synthesizer's so much better. Diane Gordon on the chorus is so much better than than what they previously had. And then just the beat is slightly different. I'm like, damn, like they should have just gone with this shit, but you know, you're right. You know, maybe the company did say like, uh, you know, maybe it's a little too, too real for what we want to put out, right? Yeah, and, and also, and makes... also, I think, I think the original might have been a sample, so maybe they had to get away from oh, the yeah, the clearances. Yeah. That that's another one too, because uh, <laughs> there, there's a slow pain song, uh, and I only found this out because I saw your youth, your uh, Instagram. No, no, not Instagram. What the fuck was it? Facebook post about this where you're like, I bet you all didn't know that I produced this song for Slow Pain, and then they fucking changed your name and credited like uh, Daz Dillinger, or you know, or the name that he goes by. Uh, you know, in Death Row, it, it, the song's called, um, your version is called Hopping Up the Street, but the song is called uh, Ride With Me. Baby, oh, 
and it's yeah. actually DJ Glaze on the production. But I'm like, how the fuck did did Daz get tied into getting credited incorrectly for this? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I don't know if that was Thump trying to get like other people to fucking listen. Like, oh yeah, we got Daz from the Dog Pound that is on this involved somehow or some way. Because I don't know. That sounds like something Bill Walker would do. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah like when i heard um you know who's got your back i was like damn everybody just man everybody just getting on that track was just something different man i i loved hearing that i loved hearing the the sound that you know that you and tony g crafted and you know everybody's verse on that was just like ah this is some dope shit like how did you guys come together for that one song yeah, well, actually, there was another producer too that that um put that uh um actually came up with that track, and then um you know well, we we me and Tony kind of um, produced on top of it, right? So we we flipped it a little bit, but there was a guy named Cleb that was um um that helped on some of the production for the album too. So and Cleb, I think Cleb did some work for um um for Old Genius and. Baby Bash, maybe Lightfoot too. So, yeah, it was it was uh, one of our homies from San Pedro. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right on. Player. That shit's still one of my favorite songs to listen to. Just uh, again, you know, songs too. yeah, yeah. T T Dub just gets down on that. Like, uh, fuck, man, I, man, I wish I could recite this for you, but you have this quick way of fucking rapping that I can't imitate. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so now they label me that criminal nigga that's down the bus. Uh, yeah, and, and that shit was dope, man. You know, and I don't know. There's so much, so, so much I could say about that. But like those those collaborations that you guys had with a lot of Hispanic artists, like I'm still really intrigued with. Um, I think it was uh, Deuce Mob where they're dissing DJ Quick. Were you aware that they were gonna throw jabs at DJ Quick? Nah, not at all. I'm not. <laughs> not at all. Nah, cause I wouldn't. I wouldn't even put myself in a situation like that if I knew it was gonna be dissing. So were you not in the same recording studio when, when that song was recorded or did everybody do their verses separately? Like how did that even come about? You know what it was? Uh actually Frost had asked us to uh participate on that song. I, you it, it was, we did our separately. We weren't there when they did their verses. Because had we heard the verses, I was like, no, nah, we ain't, you know, we're not gonna diss this the West Coast, you know, when our uh our partners over here, you know, even though we're not like that, but I'm just saying, now nah, we weren't going to diss it like that. But had we known, no, we didn't know until it was put together and put out. So back your ass, fuck up as I creep through. Cause here comes Eminem crawling in the seven dope. T dubs on the side, throwing up his set. Uh, what, what about that other song, um, uh, fucking Trigger Finger? Uh, was that something that you guys, you know, uh, did on your own, or did Frost have some input there, or was that uh, something else completely? That was a slow pain. That was a slow pain. Tony G asked, yeah. "Well, maybe slow pain wanted us to get on there with him, you know, be a feature." But that's basically slow, slow pain and Tony G, and we just, I guess, happened to be there and we got on the track. Man, like it just—I I love hearing you guys all across these different songs because, like, I don't know, I, I feel like th th there's. There's a lot more that could have been done on the West Coast than, you know, what we're, you know, again, going back to Death Row, how that's like the, the poster boy for, for West Coast music. 
because you guys have been everywhere. Right? Like I've seen you guys collaborate with Japanese artists. I've seen you guys collaborate with other people abroad and on the underground. And it's like, man, like I, I wish this was more of a primary focus on trying to trying to build and, and you know, sustain West Coast rap music, because you look at the South and, you know, everybody collaborates with each other. Yeah. But, you know, on the West Coast, for some reason, you know, if, whether it's uh, record company politics or personal disputes or whatever fucking reason, it's like shit that should have happened just never does, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to collaborate because if you have a good song, that means that 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 those people always have to be with you whenever you do shows and stuff, too. You know what I mean? So maybe that's one of the reasons why people kind of learn, like, maybe you know maybe we should just keep it within the camp or just keep it you know keep it to myself to keep it to our own group right right um, right because they, you know people they like the song and then they if they can't see everybody performing it you know it's it's not always the same so but, that, that makes sense mm-hmm. so when you guys finally started recording because your trials and tribulations your obstacles like it sounds like like uh perfection was 10 years in the making you know uh like all this all this effort and and um you know everything just culminated to that album dropping in 1996 but how was it like finally realizing hey we got a a legitimate record deal we're getting music videos we're getting airplay like tell me how that album came to be if you guys can you know summarize that story for me well, I mean, it was the beginning. It, for us, it was the beginning, right? Because everything we had done before that was was working towards that one that one album, right? So all those years of uh, of just trying to learn the craft and learning how to write songs and and then just dealing with all the politics and networking and stuff. It's kind of like, all right, now we got, you know. Um, we got the store open basically right mm-hmm. it's like that's that's kind of how how we looked at it so and all the money that we um got from you know for the budget for that album we actually put right back into the project because for us it was a beginning it wasn't like we were gonna take all the money and split it and you know go buy cars or whatever you know um, yeah no we spent it all on on whether it was you know buying equipment or um you know, paying, paying musicians or singers or whoever, um, you know, to come in and, um, you know, play, you know, play instruments or whatever we, you know, we put in, we put everything into it, right. Into that record. So like I said, that's why, um, initially they, there was even a possibility of the album not coming out. That's why Tommy boy came in, uh, penalty Tommy boy came in and, and, um, you know, big beat wasn't sure what they wanted to do. And um, we had talked to Tommy Boy before, and so they were the ones that actually said, "Let us put it out. We'll release it." Right. So that's how we ended up on that. That album came out on that label. So, okay. So released, was there running game? Mm-hmm. Was there any possibilities that this could have ended up somewhere else? Because you know, uh, the twins and uh, Warren G ended up on on Def Jam, right? Yeah. And then uh, with Snoop Dogg still in Death Row at that time. And then um, with your connections with Tony G and, you know, Frost working closely with Ruthless, did you guys shop that album around or did that only uh, you know, get get introduced to Tommy Boy and, and you guys just took the, the deal on, on you so, know? Yeah, so the three labels at the time was um, was Ruthless, um, Tommy Boy and um, Big Beat Atlantic, right? Okay. 
So um, Ruthless Easy was going through all that stuff. There was a lot of rumors and all kinds of stuff going on with, with Ruthless at the time, right? Um, and we didn't want to get caught up in all that controversy. So, <laughs> um, and you know, and Ice Cube had just released No Vaseline probably, I think right around that time too. So it just, yeah, or West Side Connection. I don't know. It just it, it it didn't seem like a good a good time. I don't know. And uh, um, Big Beat had already offered us a pretty good advance, and uh, you know had contracts and stuff. Tommy Boy was um, they kind of wanted us to do more songs, so you know. And um, sometimes I wonder what would happen if we would have went that route because Tommy Boy is better at developing artists, right? They're not like the, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks mentality. Maybe things would have been different if we would have signed originally with Tommy Boy. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just, we, we wanted to get, we wanted the guarantee, right? We wanted something, uh, you know, we wanted our record to come out because and you can imagine all the homies from the neighborhood and everybody that we talked to, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? You know, when is the video? Mm. Uh, so as soon as we had the opportunity, we just thought, well, let's just see what they could do. They'll, they'll put it out, and then um, it, it'll only be the beginning, you know. So okay, and then did you all have like a a decision where you guys all kind of like had you know you, you voted your concerns about which direction to go to, or did you guys unanimously decide, you know what, this is better for the group, or of course, did yeah, somebody course. else want to go? Yeah, of okay. Course. I mean, it's a business. It's a business decision, right? It's a family decision. So yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that's one thing I admire about Folsom is that, like, despite all the bullshit, man, you guys are pretty solid. You know, like you've seen Cypress Hill break up, saw NWA break up. You know, yeah. you you've seen you know Westside Connection break up over some shit, and you guys have kept it, you know, true since day one, and that's like unheard of. <laughs> This is dedicated to the niggas that was down from day one. Yeah, well, I mean, we're brothers, man. You know what I mean? We've been we've been brothers since we were little kids. So, I mean, it's 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 almost like if I won the lottery, you know, M and Dub won the lottery too. You know. All right, on. I'm still a little curious as to despite having the connections with Snoop Dogg, you guys never had a song out in the '90s that featured Snoop Dogg. Is that are you guys able to speak on that or? Yeah, we can touch on that. I, I think that at the time, you know, you got to remember Snoop was with uh, Death Row. Right. Right? And uh, I uh, should have been really like his artists participating with other artists. Damn. Uh, yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, Warren G is a testament to that. <laughs> right, so Warren G couldn't even, he wasn't even on Death Row, you know. He had to go through the route of Def Jam, which was better for him. Cause he blew up just right. as big as Snoop. He, he toured around uh, internationally before Snoop did. He was he had a big big name at that time. But I think that's basically what it was. You know, wanted to keep everything death row. They were a hot hot commodity at the time, which it didn't bother us because we still were doing what we had to do. Now, like I said, as for the twins, they participated on our album. You know, those are those those are my cousins. So that's how we did. It. I see these features, and I, I see collaborations i mean you guys frequented uh bull rocking your music uh you, you had um you know uh the, the part of the twins in there but i was always curious why um snoop never appeared on there e even after the fact though I, I, you guys are you guys still somewhat cool with him like what's your relationship with 
the former artists that were on there, both Domino, um, uh, Snoop, and you know the other artists that you guys frequently featured. Well, we don't we don't really talk to Domino much. We don't see Domino at all. But uh, yeah, we're still cool with Snoop, of course. He had a, a birthday party for the twins, the fifty third birthday party at his home, and of course we were all invited, so we had a good time. Nice, nice. So, <laughs> I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but what do you think it is about? your zone right east side of long beach that produces so many artists and not just like you know uh popping on artists left and right but like producing quality music because i you know i i really love um uh, little half dead's first two albums were, were classics to me your albums are classics you know snoop's album his debut and and i'll say i'll even tie in the chronic because that's you know he participated so heavily on that and then i listened to warren g and i listened to the, the twins like you guys have such a i don't know it, it, it there's got to be something in the water in, in east side of long beach you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know you know um i've heard i've heard i've heard people ask uh we uh, asked that before too a lot of times like what is it like like y'all, y'all just got this certain thing, a certain type of sound. I think what it is, it's just a, a certain sound that we have, and it just, and it just, and it just sticks out. You know, for some reason, some kind of sound or some kind of element that we have, and it just, you know, it sticks out because um, people have 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 asked asked that, like like what is it? You know, what is it about y'all? Yeah, yeah. How it happens. You know, the, the other thing I was curious is is uh while most rappers and 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 group members like they they shift their sound um you know like if i listen to dj's quicks uh music every album just sounds completely different which some people think is is a good thing and you know some people might say like well i i I don't particularly like this way but you guys have a very consistent sound now is there a reason why you guys stuck to that g-funk sound despite everybody else kind of distancing themselves away or is there uh, uh, you know another motive for why you guys never you know, never really steered away from your traditional sound so i mean that that's a good um observation you know the the fact that we like what we like and we stick to um is because you know we do music that we enjoy right so and mm-hmm. we and we do it for the homies right we do it for the people that that you know that that we listen that that we know listens to us right so it's like it's a it's a certain demographic that we that we make music for um at the same time you have to understand that you know snoop is a you know i don't like to keep talking about snoop right but uh, he's an example (laughs) you know he's yeah you know he's making music for the whole world right and and so that's why he's able to to tour and you know he's got uh you know he, he's got um you know this this whole brand right because he's touching all these different these different demographics of people so in this for our next album we will be starting to 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 maybe do um you know get a little bit out of our comfort zone and do stuff that um maybe might appeal to a to a larger audience and i don't want to say it's selling out but i'm or you know or or going pop or anything like that but really what it is is just um you know maybe just trying to make something that that is um you know more i would say just more 2023 you know what i'm saying because without the power of radio you know it's it's tough for us to get in you know to do to do some of the bigger shows and to um you know just to get 
to get the the listeners you know that we that we probably could use right to to get our numbers up so do you think in 2023 radio is still a primary form of getting your music out there or do you not, think that the internet well, yes and no right so i mean people rely on streaming people rely on youtube um social media and stuff like that but also radio right it's just that you see the difference between an artist who doesn't get radio play versus an artist that does you know what i mean and people um that get programmed to hear to hear this music every single day or whatever it's like um you know that it's it, it, it's like when something is familiar to them you know it, it's just easier to relate to right and so um we're gonna be focusing on on trying to you know at least make a few singles that uh can kind of reach those masses right and we're going to be smart about it too so um it's it's all the time every time we make music there's a fine line that we walk right it's like there's a it's easy to be corny man it's easy to fall into <laughs> being corny to being you know to be popcorn to sell out you know it's it's hard to to stay in the middle where it's like you know you're trying to stay true to um to what you love right to 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 what is dope to you right and what would be dope to to uh you know somebody in in middle school <laughs> or or in high school. Hey, that's that's the thing is that like i so it, it, when i started listening to music there was something infectious about west coast music and i didn't realize that that was a west coast sound i just really liked the way that nate dog sounded i liked the way that uh exhibit sounded and i was like man like i i really want to know more about these cats and mind you, this is this is while 50 Cent was blowing up, right? So, like, I've never really been into 50 Cent. I didn't catch on to the wave of G-Unit. To this day, I still don't listen to the game. Like, to me, the game sounds more like an implant. Like, that was, like, Dr. Dre's last, uh, you know, uh, ace up his sleeve trying to put something else from Compton and then realizing that that shit was a bust. Damn! And that's not me dissing the game. That's just me, like, my perspective on what West Coast artists sound like. That's why I kept on digressing more and, and deeper into the 90s and... As I'm looking at it now, I'm just like, I, there's something infectious about, you know, West Coast music. There's something interesting about like the samples that, that we like to persist. And, and you guys have a, a, a very good balance of making something that is kind of popish still sound good. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, for instance, uh, I like this one song that you guys did with Diane Gordon called, um, I Betcha She Don't Love You or something like that. it's a dope track you know what i mean i could see like this was meant for radio play but at the same time you guys have that like sound you know it's just it's it's not entirely pop but it's like it's something that i can play in the bar you know at a barbecue or hanging out like for me i i try not to listen to the music that is uh misogynistic right so you guys tend to not use the word bitch a lot you guys use skirts you know you guys use a, a different um synonym for females that isn't isn't uh, offensive and was that purposeful or was that something that you guys just decided like hey we don't want to sound too misogynistic or we just want to be able to get on radio play like what was the the purpose of, of making your music craft and sound that way you know um i can remember before um it was something that i got about cussing and you know saying this and that this and that and i remember somebody somebody actually after telling me that and i also remember somebody betting that i could 
I really appreciated about you guys is, is that um, you know I, again I, when I listen to music I, I try to be very thorough about what I'm listening to and how I'm consuming it and I've noticed that you guys you know steered away from certain verbiage not to say that it was 100% you know never used but you guys kind of steered away from that uh, you know same thing like I heard some of your early work and then I, I listened to uh, Perfection and, and, and Beyond and I noticed that uh, both yourself, Glaze, and Eminem, you guys don't really drop N-bombs in your music uh, aside from those early works. Was that something conscious that you guys decided on, on doing, or is that something that just naturally came about? I think that was just something that naturally came about. We didn't we didn't discuss it on should we say it or should we not say it. Yeah, it was just when we wrote our raps, that's the way it came out. It just it didn't, it didn't, it didn't come out that way as far as having to use the N word or the B word to get our point across. You can use other other words just to get your point across. Not saying we haven't yeah. used it before. No, like, of course. For days or something, but that's nothing <laughs> we sat around to talk about. Hey, let's not do it, guys. It's just, yeah. I don't think we even really looked at it that way. It's just we wrote the raps and and we and when we did the, and we performed it. You know what I mean? That was it. What else did I want to say? Uh, this is a, a question specific to, to Eminem. So there's a... Um, you know the internet's an interesting place because it's it's full of information but there's just as much if not more misinformation out there and there's this rumor going around that uh you have a brother that raps is that correct a brother that raps no no okay so someone uh I have a brother yeah but no he, he doesn't rap he doesn't rap uh this this comment keeps on popping up every once in a while especially like whenever i post something about uh Fosum or uh, if it's on YouTube or something, I'll see that there's a, a guy named Evil G that did a song uh, somewhere in the Harbor area. I don't know where he's from, but I don't know. Are you related? Do you know anybody uh, I do know that you. goes by that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. That's the home. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you guys yeah, aren't I, blood or anything, right? You guys are, are just uh, you know homies yeah, that's, from, that's, from... Yeah, that's, that's a home. Yeah, I, but I, uh, what do you call it? I did a song with him. Yeah, maybe that's how that rumor started. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, did, did you grow up in the, in Dominguez's uh, neighborhood? Well, you know what? With me, it's like I have. I grew up there, but my my uh, family roots run like all over LA. Okay, you know, I don't know how well familiar you are with it, but. My family groups, they run like like all over the place. Yeah, so my, my wife is from uh, the San Gabriel Valley. So okay. uh, anytime I'm out, I'm out, you know, if I'm if I'm cruising around LA, it'll be mostly in the San Gabriel Valley, whether I'm in Monte, if I'm in Pomona, where my wife is from. And that's how we do it in Pomona, folks. Now, has the city of Long Beach been um, good to the musicians? Like not necessarily embracing it but making it easier for for musicians to come up and 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 such or do you think that like uh, long beach still carries that that stigma of 
gang feuds, gang affiliations, and just negative music that may have been associated with gangster rap? Like, do you think the city has come around to acknowledging that it is a hub for artists? Good question. I would think so. I don't. I don't see anything deterring it from becoming a place where artists can can come out of Long Beach because you've seen so many, and you know you still have some of them coming out now. You may not hear about them as much, but they still have. It's quite a few artists that are in Long Beach. You have the guys that are coming out. There's gang violence in any city you go to, but you still have artists that, that make make their way out of there. You know. Yeah, it's interesting because like I'm not a gang member myself, but um. You start seeing all that shit come up in, you know, as early as middle school or for some people might have even been elementary school. I mean, how, how was that for you guys to, to keep it positive and go into that music without being involved directly 100% to the streets? It's like, as far as the street goes, it's like those, those like street ties, uh, that's always going to be there no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Right. I wanted to walk away from some kind of stuff or some some kind of way. Those 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 three ties are already there because it's, it's in my family. There's nothing I could I could actually do about that. You know, it's it's embedded in the family already. You know? Do you guys but, think that like that stop that stops people from listening to other artists, or do you think that music has the power to overcome no, no, those, no, no. Music those is, issues? Um, uh, universal, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. And actually, uh, 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 we got good music. Is good music? That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter okay. what it is or wherever it comes from. Good music is good music. Now, do you guys think that West Coast music is ever going to return to its former glory, or do you think that those days are just long gone? Like honestly speaking, I'd say music in a whole bit different now. You got different. It's just different now, you know what I mean? The music yeah. is different. So to say it'll be back at the apex that it was, who knows? In the next 10 years or so, who knows? But yeah. you got more of the internet. And it's just, the music is totally different now. It's just totally different, in my perspective. One thing that I, I was always told is, um, uh, we go, if you make good, good music, the people will come. They're going to like it no matter what. If, you, if your music is good, they'll like it or they'll find it. They're gonna find it. I hear that. Now, um, I wanted to know, you know, besides those albums that you guys have released, and and I think you guys might have mentioned that there's something else coming out. Uh, what's the future for Folsom look like? So we're we're in the process now of uh, of um, looking for new tracks and and uh, you know putting stuff together for a new album for next year, hopefully. So, is that going to be released on physical format or do you guys plan on going the you know what's been the popular thing to do streaming and you know probably uh, both yeah we're gonna we have to focus on streaming right because that's where most people get their music nowadays but we do want to um to do some like limited edition runs of cds and uh maybe vinyl uh, okay of our, of our album yeah so um you know that it, that's the other thing too is that it's a it's a little tougher to make money these days because you don't have those physical um you know the the um you know physical cds right to to make money off of so um the people that want those items you know it'll be more collectible so that it's going to cost a little bit more too that's that's the crazy thing where music is headed because you could have you know 10 million streams and your revenue from that is going to be significantly less than what it would be from selling a million albums right yeah exactly so that's why um that's the other thing too is that you know we're 
we're also coming up with, you know, looking at, you know, is it going to be worth it for us? And, you know, what are we going to do to, um, you know, to be able to cover, you know, just at least general expenses, right. Of putting out a record. So merchandise, yeah, merchandise, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. So if, 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 you know, all your listeners go to um, FolsomOfficial.com, uh, we've got lots of merch on there, right? So, um, you know, we, we definitely uh, encourage everybody that listens to our music, you know, to, to go out and buy stuff, um, you know, to support us, right? Because all that money really goes back into um, making the music, you know, and, and getting, getting new product out for everybody. So definitely definitely uh you know and it, thank you guys for this conversation um it, was there anything else that you guys wanted to share that i didn't get a chance to touch on mm, no i think we've covered quite a bit i mean just you know we just want everyone to to uh follow us if you're not already following us on on instagram um, tiktok right so it's all Folsom official um same thing with the website folsomofficial.com um, and just, you know, just stay up with us. Keep following us. You know, we'll, we'll definitely have some new music coming out pretty soon, you know, so. Right on. Um, you know, any shout outs you guys want to give before we, we call it a day? No, nah, man, just to you, wise. We appreciate, uh, you know, just you, um, you know, staying with us, man. And just, uh, uh, um, you know, doing a dope podcast, man. We really appreciate it. So. Speaking of, I, I I I know you were touching on it, and then we got a little bit interrupted. How how did you guys come across that little uh, that little uh, tribute I did to what your music means to my culture and and the underground? So we got we got lots of reporters everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we got a lot of homies on the internet, you know, and and on the streets, and they report back to us all the time, man. So it's like whenever. Um, you know, we hear people talking about us, whether it's good or bad. Uh, we hear everything. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's why I said it was a, it was important to uh, to set up this interview with you, man, because uh, we we appreciate all the all the research that you've done, right, and um, all the props that you've given us. Um, because you know, we 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 spend a lot of time, you know, putting this stuff together, and uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So. Um, you know, it's good to know that we have, we have that we have people that appreciate it. You know? No, most definitely. Uh, you know, again, some of the, the things I may I may get wrong because you know I wasn't there. Um, and the, the other thing is that there's only so much that was really out there that I could grasp information like valid information from. Um, but you know, I, I again, I, I like doing these interviews because uh, what I think separates me from other people interviewing you guys or anybody else in general is that like I'm a fan of the music. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not just running a channel to do interviews for the sake of interviews. I actually grew up listening to your music. I, um, I'm aware of your samples. I'm aware of your efforts, your outputs, your features. Like. You know, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to this shit. So I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to you know, have this talk with me and, and letting me share your story with my followers. Yeah, we appreciate that, man. Appreciate you as well, man. Thank you for taking the time to interview us and doing your doing your research, man. You did a, you did a real good job, you know. Appreciate I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank All you, right, man. man. You guys stay up. Appreciate everything. And thanks again for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you, man. All right, Wise. Thanks Take a lot, care, brother. All right, bro. All right, stay up. Peace. All right, man. Later. Thank you for listening and supporting the channel. And like I always say, just chill to the next episode.
Boom. Oh.